There'll be no place like home when all of God's singers get home. Be seated. I have to say, after uh, <clears throat> after spending this past week preparing for this Sunday, um, I definitely have n- I already had a great level of respect for Mark, but it has gone even higher just understanding how much work um, is put into each Sunday. Um, of course, I, I speak usually... Um, usually on the fourth Sunday for the morning, and then give it back over to Mark. Um, but just the amount of work that, that he puts in to each month um, it is truly awesome for us to, to be able to, to witness and get to listen to. Um, so I'm very, very thankful that, that he is here, um, though he's not here tonight, obviously, or this afternoon. So... Um, but it, it's been a lot of work, it's been a lot of planning, um, but I'm excited to get to, to share this with you. And I have to go ahead and also say, um, I, I had to, it had to be this topic, I just, it just felt so appropriate. Um, it is so, it's just the perfect timing, and, uh, and so... Um, I'm going to start off with some breaking news for, for everyone, because most of you probably have no idea, but there is an eclipse that's taking place tomorrow. <laughs> um, of course, from, uh, from the news and from everything that you have seen or that you have heard uh, throughout the last month, two months, however long, uh, there is a coast-to-coast uh, uh, eclipse that is taking place, and uh, the last one that took place from one coast to the other um, over the United States was apparently back in 1918. So, a hundred and well, almost wait, would that be 99 years? 99 years. Uh, that's how long it's been since the last one. Um, now, you've probably also seen that. They are, you know, all throughout the United States, especially close to those places where, uh, where a total eclipse is going to take place. They're expecting crazy traffic delays, um, even traffic just completely coming to a stop. Um, that's taking place in Oregon, Nebraska, in Tennessee, South Carolina. Uh, I was looking up a lot of stuff for this, and apparently on Thursday, Oregon is already getting backed up with traffic back in th- on Thursday, uh, four days before it was actually going to take place, which is kind of crazy. And I also heard, and I don't know if they're for sure doing this, but I heard that in Bend, Oregon, they are reversing uh, the interstate, uh, one of the sides of the interstate, to where it, it will only be traffic coming in. And then once everyone gets there and after the, the eclipse happens, they're going to just completely reverse the interstate back to where everyone can just go out. Um, cr- crazy, absolutely crazy um, for, for this occurrence. 
Now, uh, NASA, in case, in case you would like to, uh, you know, kind of follow this along, NASA is going to be live streaming the entire occurrence online. I don't know from where specifically. I'm sure it will be within that perfect line of, of total, the, the total eclipse. Um, another fun fact, um, uh, Bonnie Tyler will be performing Total Eclipse of the Heart on a Caribbean cruise ship that just happens to be in the line of, uh, of that. And actually, the whole theme of the cruise is it's, in the, it's a Total Eclipse cruise. It, it, that's, it's, that's crazy, right? That's crazy. Um, so she's going to be performing that song um, with a Jonas brother, just so you all know. Um, <laughs> And then also, of course, if you've seen, uh, Krispy Kreme has limited time Eclipse Donuts where they, where they glaze them with chocolate. And we actually had some this morning for our, our teens in our class. We might have some extra, so if you really want one, let me know. Um, and so, uh, you know, all of this stuff is taking place revolving around this build-up to, to the Eclipse. And I'll be honest, in the next 24 hours... The next 24 hours, it's only going to continue to just build up and traffic is going to get worse and people are going to talk about it more and that's just what's going to happen. So what does the eclipse mean for us in Jasper? What, what, you know, how does this apply to us uh, specifically in Jasper? Well, just so you know, we are not in the 100% obstruction uh, zone, but Jasper has a 93% obstruction um, and the further northeast that you can go, the greater that obstruction the moon will be um, over the sun. So, uh, we're at about 93%, and that is going to begin right around at noon. And the maximum, uh, that's when, of course, the moon will kind of start to overshadow the sun. The, the most obstructed view is going to be, the, the maximum obstruction is going to be at 129 and so many seconds, basically 130, uh, right at 130, and then it will slowly go away and it will be gone by 3 p.m. Um, so during that three hours, we will be able from here to witness from 0% to 93% back to 0% obstruction of the sun from the moon or of the moon from the sun, depending on how you want to understand that. So, what I want to tell you is that, first of all, I'm very entertained by, by all of this. Um, I kind of, for some reason, I kind of love how obsessed everyone is getting about this. Um, people are getting really worked up about it. Obviously, millions of people are traveling. You might even be planning on getting a little bit closer uh, to that 100% obstruction area. Good luck. Traffic apparently is going to be bad. Um, but a lot of people are making those trips to, to go and see that. And, uh, and they're getting all worked up. And I'll be honest, by Tuesday, maybe Wednesday, maybe thir- probably at least at the, you know, at the latest Thursday, pe- people won't talk about it anymore. Um, it will be gone. Um, it will be something that people probably, it's almost like it never happened. It'll be referenced every once in a while in science class, and that's really about it. Um, it, it all builds up, and, and this moment is, is wonderful, and then, and then it's over, and then everyone just goes back to reality, and then it's like it never happened. Um, for me, it's kind of like a preparing for a Disney trip that lasts about three minutes, and then it's over. That's kind of what this almost seems like in my mind. 
Um, if you will, go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Because of this uh, eclipse, because of this whole idea of what's taking place, what I want to do this afternoon is I wanted to look at a few different things about specifically the sun and the moon uh, and about God's power and God's control. Uh, and I want to kind of make these connections as we look all throughout, uh, all throughout Scripture. And of course I want to start in Genesis chapter 1. It's the most obvious place for us to start. Uh, creation. Uh, this is of course the creation of, of all things. This is where our story begins. This is where the story begins. And of course we know Verse 1, in the beginning, God created. And we start to learn about these things that, that He created. Now, before we get to this specific passage I want to focus on, uh, I want to start off in chapter 1, verses, uh, verse 9. Verse 9. And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together He called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, which is their seed, each according to its, uh, its own kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielded seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And, that, and there was evening and there was morning the third day. So here we see... God forming the earth. He is, he's making the earth and He's shaping it and He's now separating the waters uh, from the land, from the earth. And, uh, and then he, after that, then He adds plants and He adds vegetation. And basically what He's doing at this point is He's preparing it for the life that He's about to put on the earth. But before He does that, there's one more thing that He does and this is where I want us to focus. Chapter 1, beginning in verse 14. <clears throat> And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. The main thing that I want to focus on in this, in this passage is the separation of day and night. These, these things that were created that are mentioned in, in, during this fourth day in this passage that we looked at, these were used to, to govern this idea of time. This was the beginning of, of how we identify time. And so it was set into place. And, and of course, as we continue to read, we see that all of these lights, or of course now we call them stars, and all these planets and asteroids and all these different spheres of different size and shape are all formed and they're all put into the sky. 
But I want to look back at verse 16. I want to read that one more time. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. Here we see that, that God made two great lights. Now I want, I want to, to go ahead and let you know the way that this word made specifically is not the same translation as, as, as the word created. It is actually more of the word fashioned or formed into. So here we see that basically it's saying he, he formed into, uh, into place these two great lights. And I continue to, to visualize this scene where, where God is making these things, and I feel like literally all he has to do is just kind of blink, and there's, there's everything. Everything is just created. But then he looks at the earth, and, and, and he knows exactly what it needs, and so he reaches out, and he pulls this greater and this lesser light, of course, how we now refer to them as the sun and the moon, and he brings these two exactly where they need to be. And they begin their, their rotation, and they do exactly as they've been doing. And of course, if you look at it from a scientific perspective, it's, it's so impressive how, how all of this, how everything revolves the way that it needs to, how, how the day and the night uh, take place the way that they need to, how God created everything to be exactly the way it is. And he just goes in and he takes this and he forms it and he makes it into what it needs to be. He creates the separation of day and night. God sets the sun and the moon into place. Now, I will say this. I think, um, I think it's really easy to be annoyed by the, the hype of the eclipse. Because um, it, it feels like it's literally everywhere. And everyone has said something about it. And everyone just keeps discussing it. And I feel like in my life personally, I've had at least a million people tell me not to look at it directly. I feel like so many people have told me, don't look at it directly, um, which technically you, you can, just don't look at it for more than like a split second. It's not like if you look at it, it's not like when Lot's, uh, Lot's wife looked back. It's not that intense. But um, I feel like so many people have really played on the safety of it all. Like, you've got to be careful. Um, and it's just been the topic of discussion and talking about the, the upcoming traffic and all these events. It, it's just become something so big. And, uh, and so I can see why it kind of gets tiring and it's kind of annoying. And it's like, okay, let's just get this thing over with and, and move on. But what I think is so cool is that God on, on this fourth day on this day that we read about in the very first chapter of Genesis, he knew that days exactly like this would take place. He knew that there was going to be a time when he set those two, when he formed this greater and lesser light and placed them. He knew that there would be a time when something like this would take place. When we would be able to go outside and, and look up and see such an unusual phenomenon take place. And I love that many people, so many people, are all gathering together to just stare up and admire what God has put into place. So many people are going to be in awe of what our God has created. And though, yes, the hype and, and building up to this event might be getting a little bit 
tiring. I think this event is, is something awesome. Because it allows us to look at what God has created, to focus on something that He's created, and to be completely in awe of what He's done. It's a time for us to recognize the power and the control that God has over this earth and over all things. Now, along with all of this, I also want to look at a few different occurrences that take place in Scripture. Uh, If you will, turn to Joshua chapter 10. Joshua chapter 10. This is a very interesting story. Uh, Of course, we are reading about the, the Israelites here. And, of course, at this time they're being led by Joshua. And they are currently defending a place called Gibeon. And Gibeon is, is a great city. Um, it, is, it is one that, that has great wealth and there's many, many people within it. And so we see Joshua here with the Israelites at Gibeon. But then on the other end of this, we see the Amorites. And, and there's actually many other people with the Amorites. And they want to defeat this great city. Because they want to defeat the Israelites. They want to defeat Joshua. And so they're, they're planning together and they're coming together and they're saying, all right, we're going to go into the city and we're going to take this from them. We're going to defeat the Israelites. But here we see that the Lord gives them into Joshua's hand. And the Lord, and in fact, verses before what we're going to look at in Joshua chapter 10, we see that it says that the Lord gives them into the hand of Joshua. And Joshua understands this, and so he, he begins, and, and they begin to attack very quickly. They begin to defend this city. And something really interesting takes place during this. In chapter 10, beginning in verse 10, And the Lord threw them into a panic before Israel. This is talking about the Amorites. Who struck them with a great blow at Gibeon and chased them by the way of the ascend of Beth Horon and struck them as far as Azekah and Makeda. And as they fled before Israel while they were going down the ascent of Beth Horon, the Lord threw down large stones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. There were more who died because of the hailstones than the sons of Israel killed with the sword. At that time, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord gave the Amorites over to the sons of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand still at Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ajalon. And the sun stood still, and the moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jashar? The sun stopped in the midst of heaven and did not hurry to set for about a whole day. There has been no day like it before or since when the Lord heeded the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel." Here we see a a very unusual occurrence take place. Um, Basically, God decides to even contribute to this battle. Not only does He tell not only does He tell Joshua that that He has given the enemy into their hands, but He even 
basically fights himself and begins throwing things, um, what basically sounds like meteors, to, to be honest, uh, kind of a, a hail-like meteorite, uh, something between those in, in size, and he brings these down on these people, and he ends up killing more people than any of the Israelites do. And so we see this take place. But not only that, here we see that the Lord caused the very sun and moon to stop. And it says that it took place for about a day. For about 24 hours, it stood still. And the sun continued to shine on these people. God was able to show His power and His control within this battle. God was able to show all of those people who were against His own people that He was in control. That what took place during that battle was up to Him. And so here we see the use of what He created back on this fourth day in order to be assigned to these people, in order for these people to see that He was in control. There's another instance uh, we won't talk about it as much, but it's in 2 Kings 20. And here we see uh, the, uh, the king of Judah at the time, Hezekiah, and he is currently at the point of death. He is currently about to die. And, uh, and, and he's, he's not ready for that yet, and, and he wants to continue to do the work that, that he's that he's been given, continue to be the king over Judah. And so he prays to the Lord. And during this prayer, he, he, doesn't, exactly, he doesn't exactly ask to live longer. He just prays that, that God will remember the things that he had done. That God will remember how faithful he was to the Lord. And so, the Lord, uh, by using Isaiah... Uh, he grants him 15 more years of life. The Lord comes to Isaiah and tells him, I'm going to let Hezekiah live for 15 more years. And so this takes place. And so Isaiah goes to Hezekiah and he tells him that he's going to live longer. But Hezekiah asks what uh, the sign shall be to where he'll know that this is for sure going to, to happen. And, uh, and so we, we see this strange occurrence where the Lord allows Hezekiah's shadow to go back ten steps. Uh, basically what takes place during this time is, is the Lord reverses the direction of the sun. And He brings it back in the opposite direction. And here we also see that uh, te technically this is also kind of a... Um, uh, almost an imagery to the extra uh, amount of years that he's been given. As he brings back that son, it's almost as if he's reversing that time and giving Hezekiah these additional years to, to be the king of Judah in his service. And so here we again see this power of God. We see that even these massive Things. If we go out and we look at the sun, we understand how, how incredibly huge it is. Um, I don't remember how many, but you can fit like a bajillion of the earth into the sun. It's, it's crazy how much larger it is. But we can see that God is still in control of the sun, of the moon, of, of everything. There's one final occurrence that, that I want to look at. 
And that's in Luke chapter 23. If you'll turn to Luke chapter 23. You see, here we see the crucifixion of Jesus. Before this passage that we're going to look at, we see that Jesus has been beaten. We see that He's been mocked. We see that He has been spat upon. He's been made to to carry a cross. Then we see that, that He is nailed to it. And then He's raised up for everyone to see Him. Chapter 23, beginning in verse 44. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was a darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed, his last. There's one part that I want to focus on. Verse 45, the sun's light failed. Now there are some other translations. Um, Some translations actually say that the sun was eclipsed. Now I don't think that it actually means that it would be an actual eclipse at that time. Um, It could be but the way that it's described, it is a, a, a great darkness for, for three hours. Um, the eclipse will, will probably create a darkness for maybe about three minutes um, for those that are in the, the 100% obstruction. Uh, but I don't think it's necessarily that. It could be. Um, but we see that this, this darkness takes place. We see that from Scripture what it tells us is that the sun's light failed. The light from the sun was no longer being provided. And that took place for for three hours. Even in that moment, even in that moment where we look at Jesus, this man who, who gave up everything, whose life was in the hands of others, who was completely powerless, Even in this moment, we are still able to see the power of God. And we are still able to see that God was and is in control. When I think about this moment, I think about those who were were so wrapped up in that moment. I think of those people who, uh, during, during that final day leading up to his crucifixion, were a part of those crowds. And, and they heard all these people wanting this man to be crucified. And so they, they got worked up and they got into this and, and they became a part of that crowd. And as he went from, from one place to another and as he carried that cross, they continued to say things to him. They continue to to push him closer to death. And they all just became a part of uh, of this mob that wanted him crucified. But I think about all of these people so wrapped up in that moment to kill this man who they believed to be blaspheming, which was quite the opposite of what he was doing. 
And yet, as they go through this and they finally see Him hanging there on that cross, only a short time later, they had forgotten what they'd even seen. And they never again, some of them, of course, do continue to follow His life, but many of those people, they saw this occurrence and that was it. And they went back to their ways. They went back to their life. They'd forgotten what they'd even seen. Never again acknowledging the Son of God. And instead of allowing Him to change their lives, they go on. Instead of understanding who He was and the power that He had, even in a moment of being without power, they ignore it and they go back to living their lives. Their lives were so obstructed by the ways that they wanted to live of what they wanted to do, they cannot see the Son of God. And so they don't follow Him. They don't love Him. They don't acknowledge the things that that He has given to us. And the sad thing about that is that that still happens today. So often we forget about the Son. We build up to these moments. We have these times in our lives where where we get encouraged, um, where where we spend an extra amount of time fellowshipping and studying and being around other Christians and we we gain our faith and and we get stronger and we live as, as a light of the world. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We live just like this. We live as a a light to the world. We do the things that we need to do. We, we build up to these moments. And then it doesn't take much and that light is out. This light that we are providing, it gets eclipsed. Things get in the way of that light. And when those things get in the way of that light, we don't produce that light anymore. Jesus was and will always continue to be the ultimate example of how we are to live. And God continues to show us all throughout the Bible and even today that He is still in control. And we can witness His power. And tomorrow when when we go out and and we view this sun, we can be in awe of the power that He has and the control that He has 
over our lives. I want you to take that time to remember the power of God. And not only that, I want you to remember what Jesus told us to do. To be the light of the world. To be a a city set on a hill where the light cannot be hidden. The light cannot be blocked. Maybe you're here this afternoon and, and you feel like your light has not been shining. You feel like your light has just completely gone out. And you need encouragement. You need help to, to bring that light back, to be able to shine it on others and on all those around you. Or maybe you haven't yet put on Christ in baptism You haven't yet begun your walk and fully acknowledged the power and the control that God has. Whatever that might be, I encourage you to come forward now as we stand and as we sing. My, my baby.